talking, like I said, about the power of prayer. And I found some really awesome quotes about prayer. So I'm going to talk about them throughout um, because it is, we're in a difficult time. I'm going, to, I'm going to say if anyone's felt it, it's been one of the hardest times to pray ever before. Like getting into a time of prayer and being focused and being able to really push through is difficult. Is anyone else feeling that? Like it has been difficult. But like Pastor Ian said the other week, when you feel that way, you know, when you're struggling to pray, when it's a real effort, when it's a little bit challenging to, to push in, that's when you need to push in even more, right? That's when the, when the breakthrough is going to happen is when you push in even more because that's clearly if you're struggling to pray, then you need to pray more. And so we've got we've to be pushing in. So there's this um, uh, quote that says, prayer makes a godly man and puts within him the mind of Christ the mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of pity, and of prayer. If we really pray, we will become more like God or else we will quit praying. So the power of prayer is amazing is because it changes us from the inside out, right? It makes us more like God. And we need to be more like Jesus. We need to be more like God in this time. We need more of His strength. We need more of His courage. We need more faith. We need to be able to love our enemies, right? You know, we need strength for those things and and, um, all kinds of things. So prayer is really, really important to help put within us the mind of Christ and change the way that we see, the way that we live and align our hearts with God. So I'm going to read to you from Psalm 115, verse 1 to 11 today. Psalm 115, verse 1 to 11. It says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, So where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Amazing. So we're going to start with the first thing is our God is in heaven. What does this scripture say? The Gentiles say, where is your God? But our God is in heaven and He does whatever He pleases. Prayer shifts things. Prayer changes things because prayer is not arbitrary. It's not random. You're not throwing things out into the wind. Um, You're calling upon the one true almighty God, our God in heaven. They say, where is your God? Because they can't see him in physical form. You know, the idols of this world, whether it's money, you can hold money, you can see money, you know, you can see a Buddha statue, you can hold a crystal in your hand, you can look at a tarot card, whatever your God is, they can go, well, this is my God, I can see it. And and so they go, well, where's your God? Because they can't see Him in physical form. But that's because our God is in heaven, right? His presence is everywhere, but our God resides in heaven and He is the one true living God and He is not contained to the things of man. And like Romans 1 tells us, is that His invisible attributes can be clearly seen in all of creation. So 
our God is in heaven and his hand, he can be seen in his, um, in his handiwork. When we call upon God in prayer, we're not calling upon an idol made by the hands of man. We're not calling on money or the universe or the force or energy. You know, we're not calling upon crystals and manifesting things into the wind. That's not what we're doing. We are speaking to the one and only true God in heaven. Like Jesus tells us how to pray in Luke 4, our Father in heaven. That's who we're calling upon, the King of heaven. We're not talking to Barry next door. You know, we're talking to God in heaven, to the God of angels' armies. We are calling upon heaven. This is so important to remember when you're praying, who you are praying to, the power. You know why you can't see him? Because he's too big for your mind to comprehend. You can't see him because he's too big for your eyes to even see. Like I don't even imagine, like if God was in human form, like as big as what he is, you couldn't even look at a single pinky toe because he was so big. He's so much greater. The Bible tells us that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. So like I said, we're not talking about Barry next door. We're talking about the God of angels' armies. We are calling upon heaven when we pray. So we don't take these moments lightly. We're coming with confidence in knowing who we are praying to and the power of our God. We're also praying in reverence and fear of the Lord, recognizing his position far above us. Earth is his footstool. Heaven is his throne. You know, he's so far above us. Like Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 tells us, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's not within our comprehension and our understanding. And if he was, then he'd be an idol. If he was, he'd be something made by the hands of man. If he was, he would not be God, right? And so if he does not answer your prayer in the way you want, then as the king of heaven, he has every right to. When he doesn't answer the prayer in the way that you want, you need to humble yourself in submission to the King of heaven. Like Jesus said, if Jesus, the Son of God, can come to earth, and even though he is God, he's fully God and fully man, he can still submit himself to the King of heaven. He's sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he's about to go through this incredible, horrific torture and death on the cross. And he's sweating drops of blood. And he even calls upon the Father. Jesus' prayer is, if you can, you know, God, would you, would you take this cup from me? If you can, I don't wanna go through this. Like if, if you can take this away from me, like don't let me go through this. But then what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done, right? And that's what our prayer is gonna be. We can call upon God like Jesus did. You know, we can still say, God, I'm struggling with this. Like, you know, would you, would you help me out of this situation? Would you, you know, would you fix this thing? You can call upon heaven, but also it was remembering, calling upon the King of heaven. So your prayer is about being in submission to God, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that there's this new Disney movie coming out. I think it's called Wish or something like that. And it's, it's a really interesting concept because it's, I think it's about like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the concept. It's about this like guy, he's like a king or something, and he's got this ability to grant wishes of the people in the land. And in this movie, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy because he doesn't grant every person's wish. And the hero of the story is this girl that's trying to, you know, set out to get every person's wish granted. And I was like, hang on, why is he the bad guy? Sounds like a pretty sensible guy to me <laughs> that he's not granting every person's wish. 
And that's the same with God is for him to give us everything we desire and when we want it, it'll actually be destructive to us. It'll be destructive. We actually don't know what we need. We don't actually know the fullness of what we need, but our Father knows because he created you, because he designed you. He formed your personality. He's got a whole blueprint of exactly how you work and how you're wired. He knows. He knows the plan for your life. He knows. And he knows the future. So when we pray, we are saying, God, this is what I'm asking for. This is what I think I need. And this is what I think I want. And this is what I think I need right now. You know, God, this is what I'm asking for. But let your will be done and trust that he knows best. You know, I think about the story of Job in the Bible. You know, Job had a pretty hard time, you know. Um, Job had it pretty rough. For those who don't know the story, um, basically, um, Job is this really righteous, upstanding man. And so Satan comes before God and is like, look, if I mess with Job's life, he's going to deny you and, you know, turn away from you, God. So, you know, let, let me show you whatever. So God grants um, Satan permission to, to start to do stuff in Job's life. And what happens is his children get killed and all his livestock get killed. And, and then he ends up later on, he ends up getting boils on him and like disease and all this stuff. And he's just like, just about dead by the end of it, but not. And his wife tells him, curse God and die. And all his friends come to him and be like, Job, you sinned. You know, you're the worst person. Clearly there's something that you haven't admitted to that you're sinning. And that's why all this torment is coming on your life. You know, you need to repent. So they're just making it worse. And it's just a interesting situation that he's in. And and so Job like is calling upon God, calling upon God, and he's like not getting anywhere until right towards the end. As we read this in Job 38, verse 3 to 7, is that God then responds to Job. And what does he say to Job? I love this beginning part. Now prepare yourself like a man. <laughs> he's like, get ready, you know. God's like rolling up the sleeves. You ready to hear what I have to say, Job? You ready when you're questioning me? You know, where I am, if you, if you don't see where I am in your life, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Just if we just stop there, I'll be like, all right, God, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know anything. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That is a tiny bit. This, this um, segment from God asking Job questions goes on for like three chapters. And he just keeps asking him, do you know how like the waves work? And, and, and do you know, you know where the deer is and when it lays, um, how it has its kids and all this kind of stuff about the different processes in the world and the rain and the sun and the, all these kind of things. And Job's like, like, okay, okay, I get it. But what I love about this is it leaves you a little bit stunned, right? And it leaves Job completely speechless. It's not ours to question God's decisions. When we start to remember God is not a genie, this is not Aladdin, you know, we're not, when we come to God, we're not, you know, rubbing the lamp and be like, all right, I've got my wishes. You have to, you know, in, in Aladdin, the genie's bound with handcuffs. So he literally has to do whatever the person says. Even though he's more powerful being than the person rubbing the lamp, he's bound by the lamp and he has to do whoever the master of the lamp is. We're not the master of the lamp, okay? 
You know, we're not the master of the land. We're not the master of God. God is the master and we are his servants. So when we come before God, we're not demanding God to do stuff. We're actually coming unto him as a servant. We're making a request of him, right? So we're coming in submission to him. So it's not ours to question God's decisions, but for us to continually call upon him. And I love what Job says is though, even that he's in a difficult situation, there's this famous quote of Job's where he says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Because who else are you going to trust? Who else are you going to trust? If, if in the worst situation of your life, Job turns away from God and stops praying to God and stops calling upon God, what does he have left? If you don't have the creator of the universe to call upon, what do you have? Like what is left? So he goes, even though God, God knows, God knows the plan. I don't understand it. I'm suffering right now. Though he slay me, I'm still going to trust in him. Though I'm going through a difficult situation, I'm still going to trust in him. I'm still going to keep calling upon him. I'm still going to be loyal and faithful. I'm still going to keep praying. Even though I'm in the middle of it all, God is hearing my prayers and he will act. I always think of that in Psalm 23 as well, when it tells us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even when God is silent, He's still with you, okay? When you can't hear His voice, when you're walking through the valley, you gotta know God is still there. He says, I'm with you. My rod and the staff, they comfort me. I know that He's there. I know that He's there even when I can't feel Him, even when I can't see Him. I will still go through the valley. Just because I'm going through the valley doesn't mean God's not there. Because He told me I would go through it. But I've gotta know and remember that God is with me. So I will keep praying. I will keep calling upon the Lord for I know who it is that I'm calling upon. Prayer changes things. It shifts things. But the first thing it does is it shifts something in you. Because prayer is about aligning your heart with God's. It's about coming under God's authority. And you know who you are praying to. You recognize the power God has to move in your life and the lives of others. And as you pray, you'll be filled with confidence and assurance in His greater power. So the second thing is it's not the work of man. So what did it say? God does what he pleases. But the people, you know, these other gods, you know, who the Gentiles are praying to, you know, in that time because they're the Israelites and the Gentiles. But for us, those who are non-believers, who are they praying to? You know, they're praying to the works of man. There's a world out there looking for life and searching for answers in things that are deaf, dumb, blind, and dead. Deaf, dumb, blind, and dead. Every other God that people serve If we are not talking about Jesus Christ, the one and only God, then we are talking about an idol. Every other God is an idol. We are talking about a God who is dead. The work of man's hands, it is futile. It is made, like the Bible says, of gold, of silver, of stone, of wood. They're just, I always think how crazy that is to worship a statue because we are God's greatest creations, right? As human beings, he said, we we are the only creation made in his image and his likeness. So we have qualities that are like God where we have this creativity and ability to create given to us by the Creator. So we're creating things that are beneath, we're beneath God and we're creating things beneath us, but we're worshipping the things that are beneath us. And why do we do that? Because we have full control over them, right? We have full control over that which we make with our own hands and it can become whatever we want it to be. But again, if it can be under our control and can be what we want it to be, then it's not God then it's not God. The work of man's hands is futile. You know, in this world, we have this thing about respecting other people's religions, right? And I'm all for respect, like don't get me wrong. But Christians can take this to the point where we're afraid 
to actually challenge other belief systems, where we're afraid to ask questions and witness and share the good news about God, where we don't even think to pray for people who have another faith to come to know Jesus because we're like, oh, you know, they've got a faith, they believe something. And I've seen this so many times, but the reality is there is only one true living God that we can pray to. There is only one true living God and who will hear our prayers. It's only, you can only call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, it says in the Bible. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but it's only in the name of Jesus. It is only Jesus that can save us from our sins. So every other religion, every other God, every other belief system is futile. They're praying to an idol that is deaf, dumb, blind, or dead. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, right? So if we, want to, if we want to know God, if we want to have a relationship, we have to pray through Jesus. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. So for every other person out there, they are worshipping idols. They have no life. They have no eternal future. They have no security. Um, they have no relationship with God because they are not worshipping God. If we pray to anyone else, then we're praying to an idol made by the hands of men. 2 Timothy 2 verse 5 to 6 says, For there is one God and mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And I think about this too, because I even heard in this last week, someone say that Allah and God, um, as in the Christian God, were the same. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) And why do we know this? Because it says here, there is only one mediator between God and men, and that is Jesus Christ. These are the, the Jews don't believe that Jesus is God. The Muslims don't believe that Jesus is God. None of these people do. So if you don't believe Jesus is God, you have no mediator between you and God. So we're talking about different gods then, aren't we? There is only one mediator between God and men, and that is Jesus Christ, because he's the one who laid, he was fully man, fully God, and laid down his life for us. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And other versions say the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I just want to encourage you in this is that we, ha- we are praying to a God in heaven who, who it, we pray, he does what he pleases, right? So we're pl- praying according to his will. And, and who are the other people praying to? They're praying to false gods. So that's another point of prayer for us is we're actually in a spiritual battle. We've got to start praying for these people and recognizing they are praying to a false god. They have no life. They have no future. They have no hope because they don't have Jesus. You know, this week um, I started a new job and it's super, super random um, because I never applied for this job. And um, I applied for a whole bunch of other positions that I really wanted and then I went, one of the ways I did it, I went through a recruitment agency and they put me up for ten, like 10 different jobs that were all in the field that I wanted to get into, except for um, they just threw in one extra random one. And they're like, oh, you know, th- these guys are looking for like a similar role, but it's like in a company completely outside of, you know, what you're looking to do. And then I was like, ah, whatever, like not thinking anything of it. Anyways, what's the one job that I get the callback for <laughs> is the one that I didn't want. <laughs> And I was like, this is dumb. Like, uh, I don't really want this. Like, I don't even know what this job's about. I don't even know this company. This is not in the field that I want to get into. Like, do I really want to do this? But like, it literally happened so quickly. I applied on a Thursday night on the Monday, uh, the Friday morning, sorry. I got a call being like, they want you to come from an interview on Monday. And I was like, oh, snap. Okay, uh, well, 
So then I'm like, contemplating. So then on Monday, I'm getting ready for this interview. I'm like, mm, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I'm just like thinking about it. And I literally was at the point where I was like, should I just call up and just be like, don't waste your time. I don't actually want this job. And um, so I was just like, okay, no, I'm going to pray about this because I want God's will to be done in my life, right? I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to this interview. I don't want this job, like from what I know about it right now. But God might have other plans. Okay, God. I just want to do what you want to do. So I'm like praying, I'm praying. Like it's like an hour trip for me to um, get down to where the interview was. So I'm like praying in there as well. And I was praying all day when I was getting ready. And I'm like praying, praying, praying. I'm like, okay, God, like, you know, this might just be experience for an interview. Like, I don't know what you want out of this. Like, I'm just praying, God, I don't know what you want here. But if you want me to do this, open the door wide open. And if you don't want me to do this, shut up. I'm stupid, God. I need it to be really clear and really obvious. <laughs> like, Wide open or closed shut, I don't mind, even if it's embarrassingly closed shut. Like, I kept praying on the closed shut side because I was so sure. I was so sure. It wasn't what I was meant to have. So I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, go to this interview on Monday. And I'm, I drive here for, like, Connect Group afterwards. There was only a 45-minute trip. And by the time I arrived here, I get a call. They're like, yeah, they want you. Um, so they're going to send you a contract um, to start next week. I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to pray again. <laughs> I'm going to pray again, you know, like, just not 100% sure. Like, it feels like it's wide open, but, like, you know, you still got time to shut it, right? We're in the contract stage. So I'm, like, praying, 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 like, if this is what you want. And then there was an issue with the contract. I was, like, oh, this is probably what it is. So now the door's been closed. So I sent it off to them. and like, this is the issue. I can't sign this contract till this is fixed. And then they fixed it straight away. And I was, like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so I ended up signing it and like I started this Monday. So it was literally within the span of like a week um, between when I applied versus getting the job and starting. So I have no idea what to expect. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it, which was kind of crazy. But I'm like, what am I doing here, God? Like, I'm trying to ask this question. Why am I here, God? What is the purpose for me being in this place? This is super random. Like, how did I end up here? What, like, what do you want from me in this place? Anyways, so we're going through the week and we get towards the end of the week and um, I got to like meet everyone in the office, which was kind of crazy. Um, There's a lot of people. Um, but then at the end of the day, one day I was just like, you know, walking around and then I noticed that um, we've got some Muslim people in our office and um, these beautiful um, couple and they, um, they're very devout. So they do their, you know, they're supposed to pray like five times a day at a specific hour. Um, all our offices are like got windows, like you can see through all of them. Um, so I turn around and I see that this um, person was in the office and they were like, you know, doing their Muslim prayer. And I was like, that's, I thought for a second, like, oh, that's really sad, you know, because they're praying to a God that's, that's dead, that's not hearing their prayers and all this stuff. And then I thought, hang on a second. I have God who is alive, who hears my prayers. Like, let's start praying. So I'm in my head and I'm just like standing there, do, 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 just like looking over like, and in my head, I'm just like started praying. Like, my God is alive. My, God is hearing my prayers. He's not hearing this person's prayers, but He's hearing my prayers, you know, because I'm praying directly to Him. I'm praying through Jesus Christ, the mediator. So I'm like, in my head, I'm just like going for it. I'm like, God, would you visit, visit them right now, Lord, as they pray? Lord, would you would you um, reveal yourself to her in a dream? I've heard like about Muslims like, 
being visited by Jesus and dreaming, like praying over him, like, God, you know, like she's praying right now to an idol. She's praying to someone, you know, who cannot hear her prayers. But God, I pray that she would, like, that you would visit her in that place, that she would experience your presence, that she would come to know you, that she'll be able to pray to not to an idol, not to someone who is dead, not to this false, um, you know, this false God, but Lord, that you would visit her, you would meet her, that she would encounter you, that she would come to know that when she prays, that devoutness that she has for her false God, that Lord, that they would turn towards the one true living God and she would come to know You. Lord, that You would bind. And because I know this is the thing that you got to understand too, is every idol, so what was Satan's problem, right? Was pride. He wanted to be like God. He wanted the glory and the worship that God has. So where does Satan and his demons reside on earth? What is one of the places that they hover around? Places of worship that are not worship to the one true God, right? Because they want the worship for themselves. And I've heard stories where people have actually seen the demons come out of statues and all this kind of stuff. So if she's praying to a false God, who's she actually praying? She's got a, praying with a, there's a demonic um, spirit on that, right? So I'm praying it off of her. Right? I'm just like next to her, I'm like, God, we just break that. We bind that in the name of Jesus off of her life that, that where she's been blinded by this demonic spirit that she would see all this kind of stuff and praying. I'm like, okay, if this is one reason that I'm here in this office, then that's a perfectly great reason is I'm gonna pray for these people to come to know Jesus. I'm gonna be a witness here in this place. And I just really encourage that for all of you is, is, is you know, we do have, and anyone who works particularly in like one of those office environments, you have like all these, you know, codes of conduct of your inclusivity and all this kind of stuff and how we respect all that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We're not going to, we're not harassing people. We're not going out of our way to offend people and like, your religion sucks or anything like that. It's not like that at all. But because we love people, because they are worshipping a false idol and we don't have to go out and just straight up be like, do you know that you, <laughs> what are you worshipping? Like, you know, um, but we've got to pray for these people. We want to pray that they would come to know the one true living God. We want to go recognise I am in this place to lead people to Jesus. You know, I'm here to earn money, absolutely. But ultimately I'm here on this earth. So also I'm here in this job to lead people to Jesus. So if I've got people in my workplace who have another faith, they actually don't have true faith, right? Because they don't know Jesus. So when I talk to them and I have those opportunities, like you'll know, because if you pray for the opportunities, God will open up those conversations. Then, then you can, and that's what's the power of prayer is so important. You pray and God will move. Um, I love this quote. It says, It is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. It is possible to move men, um, by, uh, move, move men through God, that's it, by prayer alone. And that's absolutely what happens. You pray, the opportunities will come. And when the opportunities come, you've also prayed that you'll have the courage and the wisdom and the words to say and the way to address it. You gotta know too, Jewish people, they don't have the one true living God because you know what? They're still living in the Old Testament, right? And the Old Testament is obviously great. We don't discredit it and discount it out of our Bible, but we've got to recognise that Jesus is not a prophet. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the fulfilment of the Old Testament pro pro uh, prophecies, right? You know, so when you come to a Jewish person, you know, you want to ask questions about them. Okay, so you believe, right, in the Old Testament. You believe in this. So why don't you believe that Jesus is the one when He filled all 300 and whatever prophecies in the Old Testament? Why don't you believe that He's the Messiah to come? Tell me more about that. You know, <laughs> we've got to ask questions that unravel people's faith and you do it in a way that's kind, that is compassionate, you know, all these kind of things. But if you know like, enough about it and you're praying, God, give me boldness, give me wisdom, help me to understand, He will. He'll give you the right questions to ask, the right way to unravel. We've got to pray for these people because they're not going to heaven. 
They're not going to heaven because they're believing in crystals, because they're believing in Allah, because they're praying to Buddha or to the hundreds of Hindu gods or whatever um, that they are. They're not going to heaven because they don't know Jesus. And there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And when we say that too, do you know that next door, next door, <laughs> we've got a... Um, We've got a Hindu, uh, the Hindu friends from up the road, I believe, are moving in next door. And I'm like, how great is that? How awesome. Let's be praying that people get in the wrong car park. You know, <laughs> let's be praying that, because you know what's crazy? Since we moved into this building when I was like, I don't know, I think I was like seven or eight years old. I, was, I said from the very get-go, I said, that building next door is gonna be our building. That building next door is gonna be our youth building and we're gonna fill it out. And that's what we've been saying from the beginning. So I'm like, when I heard that they were moving in next door, I was like, amazing, because you know what we can do? We're just gonna bring all of these people to Christ and then it will just be our building, won't it? I mean, so I love this quote, it says, search for a person who claims to have found Christ apart from someone else's prayer and your search may go on forever. Our prayers are so powerful because we are not praying to dead things. We are praying to a living God, Creator, all-powerful One. So when we pray for people to come to know Jesus, they will find Jesus. Search for a single person. You know, all of you could probably testify in your life that there was someone that was praying for you to come to know Jesus. There was someone that was praying for you to come to know Jesus and you may not even know them because they could just be someone in your office who's been quietly praying all along. But you will find Jesus, uh, they will find Jesus when you pray for them. Your prayers are powerful. So pray, 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 pray. Let's pray for people to know Jesus. And the last thing is trusting in God. That's a really important part of prayer. And this is why He says it three times. He says it three times. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Prayer is communion with God. It's building a closeness of relationship with Him. Like Pastor Sharon said, it's about aligning of our hearts with God's. It's about an act of trusting Him. You know, we talk about this in, in kids' church and in youth, we explain to them a, a, a way to pray is using the word pray and it becomes an acronym. So P is for praise, you know, lifting up the Name of God, telling God how good He is, thanking Him for everything. R is for repent, you know, God, I'm turning away from my whole life. I'm, I'm sorry, would You forgive me? A is for ask, it's bringing all your requests to God. And Y is for yield, it's actually giving it over to God. Because I think that's the biggest problem we have right when we pray is then we keep worrying and we keep stressing and we keep living in fear and we keep living in doubt. So if you're doing all those things, then you have not yielded. If you're doing all those things, then you have not trusted God, right? It's all right, we're all guilty of it, but that's a sign for you to know, am I trusting God with this? Okay, let me think, am I still stressed about it? Am I still anxious about it? Am I still worried about it? Am I still playing it over and over and over and over and over again in my head? Is it still a burden on my life? Then no, I haven't trusted God and I need to go back to Him again. When it says in the Bible, you know, trust in the Lord in Proverbs 3 verse 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. 
You're to trust in Him with all your heart. Put your whole life upon Him. God, I trust You. When you pray the prayer, I trust You, God, that You will take care of it. And sometimes it looks like this. I remember as a kid, like, um, you know, if there was like fireworks in the next neighbourhood or I don't know, just for random reasons, that would just pick you up and he'd put you on top of the shed or somewhere high place just for fun. Um, and me and heights don't mix. So like I'm up there, I'm like, woohoo! And then I look down, I'm like, ah! Um, but you know, they'll put you up on high places where you have to have complete trust in Dad because there's no ladder to get me up on the top of the shed and no ladder to get me down. There's no footholds. There's no other way to get down except to either dangle off the side and drop or to just jump. And when you're like this high and you're up on something like nearly two metres high, then that's, that's a long way, right? But if you trust in someone, you don't hang on the edge and dangle, like still gripping on, I trust you to catch me, but you won't let go. When you trust in someone, when Dad stands there and he goes, jump, then you just jump because you trust. All the fear goes out because you're like, Dad's there, He's gonna catch me, right? And it's the same when we pray, is you just, that jump, it's that letting go. Because when you jump, when you're in midair, right, you have zero control, right? Once, once you've left the building, there is nothing for you to grip on. There's nothing for you to stand on. All of um, like, the whole weight of the situation lays in who's there to catch you, you know, who, who's there at the bottom. That's all now in their control, right? So they can choose to, you know, <laughs> let you go or they can choose to catch you. But if you trust someone, you'll jump, you'll let go. You'll let go of complete control and rely that they're gonna catch you, they're gonna get you. And that's the same with, with God is if we really believe He is who He says He is and we trust in His Word, then when we pray, then we're saying, God, I believe I'm asking, I believe that You hear my prayer. I believe that You hear my cry. I believe that You will answer me. I believe that You have all power and authority. I believe that You can and You will. And so now I'm giving it into Your hands. I'm letting it go. That doesn't mean you don't keep praying. Like you can keep coming back to it, but you're not worrying and stressing about it. You just keep on calling on God about it. Because you've yielded it to Him. You trust in the Lord. And why do you trust in the Lord? Because He is your help and your shield. He's your help and your shield. He is the one that will help you and He will protect you and He will guard you. And why does they have to say it three times in the Scripture? Because it's the thing we are worst at, right? It's the thing we are worst at is trusting, is yielding to God. But God is trying to tell us over and over again, yes, you can trust me. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. He's the only one who has the power to actually fulfill those things that we are praying about. So who else would we trust? Who else would we put our trust and our faith in? And I just wanna finish with this quote, a day without prayer is a day without blessing and a life without prayer is a life without power. A day without prayer is a day without blessing and a life without prayer is a life without power. More than ever, church, we need to be living a life of prayer, a life of prayer daily. And like I said, you don't have to, you know, I'll pray on my commute to work, in the car, in the train. You know, like I said, I was praying for my work colleague in the work kitchen, you know, like in my head. You can pray all day, all the time. A life without prayer is a life without power. But when you start to pray, you start to get bold, right? You start to feel empowered because you're filled up with the Holy Spirit. You're calling not on your strength and your might, but on the power of God. You're calling upon His strength and His might. 
without, a life without prayer is a life without power, but a life with prayer is a life that is full of power, the power of God to see people's lives change and transform, to think, see miracles happen and crazy things take place for the glory of God. All right, so this morning, church, I just want you to just close your eyes in this place. Because I just wanna ask firstly, you know, maybe there's some people here in this place and you're like, that's me, I'm the one who's worshipping idols. I'm the one who's praying to idols, whether your trust is in money, in the universe, in, in New Ageism, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Islam, in Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, whatever it is, but it's not in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then you need to come to know Him today. This is an opportunity for you to say, hey, I wanna lay down my idols I wanna let go of my way of living. I wanna live for the one true God. I wanna have a relationship with the one true God who gave His life for me so that I could know Him, that I could know God the Father. If that's you today and you wanna have a relationship with Jesus, if you wanna know God, you wanna let go of those old ways of living, then I just encourage you with every eye closed and every head bowed in this place, just to raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you. And I know for some people that that can be a really intimidating thing. You're like, ah. So I just want to encourage you because I feel like that there might be some people here in this place. You know, if I'm going to pray this prayer with all of us together. But if that's you and you're like, I've actually prayed this prayer today for the first time from the bottom of my heart. Or... Maybe it's the hundredth time, but today you really meant it. Then I encourage you to come see a pastor afterwards and we'd love to, or just talk to someone from our congregation. We'd love to talk to you about that decision and coming to know Jesus. So let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank You that You love me. I thank You that You love me so much that You gave Your life for me. I believe that You died on the cross for all of my sin. And I believe that You rose again to give me eternal life. I ask You today to come into my life, to be my Lord and to be my Saviour. Thank You, Jesus. Amen.